Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Shank, and welcome to the Brandon Shank Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Brandon Shank Podcast, and welcome to Virginia Beach. Man, we're glad to have you with us today. Glad to have you here. Um, I hope your week's been good. Crazy last week for us. We had a massive festival here in Virginia Beach. Pharrell put on something in the water. Some like 50,000 people came to this festival. Uh, I mean, huge names. Yeah. Uh, I think Lil Wayne was there. Jonas Brothers were there. Pharrell and all of his crew were there. Um, I know, Corey, I'm surprised you didn't get an appearance there, man. But. I didn't, no. I got stuff <laughs> stuck in traffic, though. Yeah. <laughs> Why were you down at the oceanfront, man? You were down I there? wasn't at the oceanfront. Oh. I was trying to get back into Virginia Beach. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll do it, man. That'll do it. Um, was it bad getting back in the in the city? Uh, I've had worse, but okay. yeah, I mean, I got stuck in traffic for a little while. Yeah, I didn't leave. I stayed on my side of town. I mean, we had baseball weekend, had church. So, I mean, I was, we're only about eight, 10 minutes from the oceanfront south. Yeah. Um, to the, the main oceanfront. So it was what it was. Uh, but you know, we had, obviously we had, uh, for those in Virginia Beach, you know this, for those that don't live here. You, you might have no idea. You might have seen it. I know that it was covered by USA Today, but there was a big tornado here in Virginia Beach in Great Neck mm-hmm. area. Um, you know, that was, those are always hard. I mean, it's home. I mean, Virginia Beach is like 300 square miles, like half a million people, but it's really, it's not a small town. Like, you know, it's a big city, but there's, it's, it can get very intimate, very sentimental, very quick. I mean, yeah. Great Neck's where our church started. We were there for um, the first six years and uh, Great Neck Middle, where we got our start. Uh, all those neighborhoods. I remember, man. I, we earned our stripes in those neighborhoods. I remember walking mm-hmm. for hours. I was uh, the young church planter, and I remember um, the Chelsea neighborhood specifically, which was one that got hit by the tornado. I remember walking in some of these neighborhoods to do door hangers. Yeah, <laughs> some of these neighborhoods, bro. These houses are not close, and so yeah, I'd be spending yeah. three and four hours. I was so hot. It was September in Virginia <laughs> Beach, and I had I had totally. Uh, m- I had totally uh, misjudged um, the workout that I was going to get, uh, yeah. but it was it was just um, there's so many memories, man. Of I know when we first moved here, we didn't really know where anything was at, and Great Neck and the Ocean Front were the two areas we lived in the Ocean Front, but the Great Neck was really that area. So our prayers are with y'all, you know, yeah. so very much. Uh, we're here to serve, to pray, whatever whatever is needed. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I'd reached out to. Some of my buddies that even, you know, they, they run baseball programs over in that area and stuff. Just say, hey, man, how's everybody? Make sure everybody's good. And, you know, they were saying, hey, everybody's good, you know. So, uh, I mean, thank God nobody was hurt. Yeah. Nobody was killed. Yeah. I mean, what a miracle. When you see these houses, there's you, no reason people should be alive. Exactly. That's what I thought. There's no way. Instantly, that's what I thought. Yeah. And even some of these houses, you're thinking, if they were home, how do they live? Mm-hmm. We don't have basements in Virginia Beach. For those of you that aren't familiar, everything down here, it's it's you get below the ground very far, it turns to water. Yeah. So the ground is wet. There's no basements in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Anywhere around here in the 757, I don't think. Um, I wouldn't yeah. think there would be. Or they're extremely custom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no tornado shelters here. Yeah. You know, So for us, it's, you know, you tuck your head between your legs in the bathroom type thing. Yeah. It's, there's no, there's no, uh, it's, it's not like when I lived in Missouri, I mean, they sold tornado shelters in the mall. Yeah. yeah. No, they did. They had kiosks yeah. I with tornado you. shelters yeah. in the mall. And in every mall, they would have a sign tornado shelter. Like there's tornado shelters in the malls in Missouri. So people are used to them. We had one night, I think there was 26 tornadoes one night when I lived in Missouri Jeez. in one night. Uh, that year that the, the F5 went through Joplin, Missouri mm-hmm. killed, like, I don't remember. I don't even remember. It was like a hundred, more than a hundred people, well over a hundred. We went like a day or two after that hit to help clean up. And we were there, they were still searching houses. Like it was unbelievable. So the, the damage of a tornado, uh, unbelievable, but I'm just so grateful that nobody was hurt. Nobody was injured. We love you, Virginia beach. You need anything, let us know. Um, today's kind of a sentimental day. Yeah. You know, it's a sentimental day. Uh, you, there's definitely a, a gratefulness. Um, but you know, you're still heavy for the loss and the people that are having to go through rebuilding their lives. I got some sentimental gear on today. Represent Falkier Falcons, baby. This is a high school. Yeah. This is a high school sweatshirt right here. <laughs> it's a throwback, baby. It is. Represent Falkier, Warrington, yeah. Virginia, Northern Virginia, all the way, baby. Let's go, D.C. Got to be careful how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Be, be careful. <laughs> Just but represent the Falcons. So that's why Falcons is really big. You got some sentimental on, but we were talking about this right before the podcast yeah, came on. Yeah, tell, them about, tell them about this. Okay, so... It's a band called Further Seems Forever, and um, this is my favorite album of all time. It's the 20th anniversary, but at this point, it's a little older than that. It's a big statement from a guy who is a fantastic yeah. musician. Yeah, so it came out in 2001. It really shaped 
my mind in the musical world. And uh, so even to this day, I was just literally just talking to you before the podcast. Like I listened to that album and it's not like, doesn't feel like it has a structure to it that you think music normally has a structure to. It feels so poetic. It feels like a musical conversation is the best way I can describe it. So I'd encourage everybody, and it might not be your cup of tea, but go listen to uh, The Moon is Down by Further Seems Forever. And uh, it's it's uh, it's inter- interesting. Well, and I will say this. Yeah. So your, your, your musical taste, I would say you're pretty fair. Like you're a musician. Uh, you can play anything. You're pretty fair with musical taste. Some musicians, you know, they're very much like... A lot of musicians appreciate a lot of different styles. Yeah. But I don't... The only thing I don't appreciate... And not that I don't appreciate it because I know it takes talent, but like some of the stuff where she's like... I'm just like, man, it's, I'm sure there's some talent. I just can't... I, yeah. I can't get down. There's some of that stuff that... You don't like it like that level, but no, there's yeah. some stuff that you're like, ah, oh, kind of, you know, kind of hinges on it. But all the stuff you've ever told me to listen to, I've liked. Yeah. You know, like yeah. this this album, we were just listening to a clip of it, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Like we already talked about, like my epic, like those kind of bands. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm definitely. I love the R and B, the hip hop. I love country. Uh, I love the Morgan Wallen stuff. I love. Uh, I love all of it. You yeah. know what I mean? But that stuff right there, it's good, man. It's yeah, good. I, so for all you listen, I, yeah. give it a shot, man. I appreciate anything that has just like a musical kind of like intellect behind it. And there's hip hop artists that have that too, that I think are great that the way they write music, it's just, I don't know. It's not just like the same beat over and over and yeah. over. There's creativity. To so it, when you look so. at hip hop and you look at further scenes forever, how would you categorize their music? What would you say it is? Like, Oh goodness. Like an alternative slash yeah, alt rock. Yeah. Okay. It's basically so, kind of what further scenes forever. Is Cause what you get with a lot of musicians, they'll love hip hop and they'll hate something else or they'll yeah. love something else and hate hip hop. And they don't realize that like, not even hip hop, but like country. Right. And yeah. I know you're not a huge country fan, but yeah. you appreciate old country. It. I like yeah. old country, but yeah. you appreciate it. Yeah. You appreciate the musicianship. Yeah. But I'm saying when you look at those different types of things, whether it's Lil baby or guys like marshmallow <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. Morgan Wallens or yeah. the, you know, Tim McGraw's, I mean, I'm going all over the map here. Yeah. I mean, we got Amy Grant over here getting ready to have a concert. Yeah. At Sandler yeah, Center tonight. Told me there you go. It. There's a free plug, right? <laughs> but my point is, I think that when you look at all these different types of music, I think there's something special whenever you can actually pull something out of all of it. Because I yeah. think that I agree with you, man. There's some, if you listen to how some of these artists, write, Whether it's alternative or country or hip hop, it's unbelievable what, yeah. how, how they can make, they create, it's, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. And so, uh, I respect that. Y'all go listen to it. Further seems forever. The moon is down. The moon is down. The moon is down. Yeah. I love it. It's I love everything album. about it. I'm hopefully purchasing some sentimental gear that has commanders on it next year because it's okay. the Super Bowl champions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the NFL draft just took place. Everybody's like, what do you think? I was like, man, I think the NFL draft, I love it. I got my boys falling in love with it. We watched the first round. Most of it, they had to go to bed after we got home from baseball. I love the NFL draft. It's fun. It's exciting. Dude, there was 30. Listen to this, all you out there. 34 million people watched round one. Wow. Yeah. 34 million people watched the draft. That's a lot. 125,000 were there in person. You can't tell me that this isn't a polarizing sport. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's a draft. They ain't yeah. even playing. Yeah. But I'm one of these guys who are like, yeah, the draft, I don't think the draft is overrated. I think the people drafting people or rating people are overrated a little bit. It's like the weatherman. There's no way you can really tell. Um, I mean, the draft is unpredictable. Who's going to get the great guys? Is it going to be a, a round four Russell Wilson type pick. Who knows? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like the, you know, the Tom Brady, you know, pick at the end that nobody thought was going to be any good. And he ends up being the best quarterback to ever play the game. You don't really know. That's what mm-hmm. I love about the draft is like they, you always get guys, the guys that get drafted early sometimes aren't the guys that make the biggest names in the class. Like you look at a draft class and say, Oh, where'd this guy get drafted? And you're like a seventh behind six people you've never heard of. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I love the draft. It's fun. Uh, but Hey, I want to ask you something. Truth or a lie. So Makai, my <laughs> third, my third son, he's seven. Um, Makai tells stories and it's not, you can say it's a lie. He didn't really lie as far as like to get out of trouble. He just tells yeah. stories. That's yeah. kind of Makai. He, he's, it's funny to him. Oh, yeah. So he tells me a story the other day and I think he was serious. My wife said, I think he's lying, but he, in the middle of the night, cause we didn't really have a big dinner. I forget what, I think it was Monday, Sunday night. We had a huge lunch. We came home. They eat, they kind of picked around for dinner. You know, when you have a big lunch at like one thirty or two, you don't really eat like a massive dinner. I don't, yeah. maybe yeah. some people do. So Makai, he, um, he tells me the story the next day. He's like, yeah, I'm not really hungry for breakfast. I was like, well, why not? He's like, I got up at, in, the, in the middle of the night and I ate cereal. 
I said, bro, you came out here by yourself, and you think, well, why didn't you look in the the sink for the bowl? I don't know. Yeah. But he, you got up in the middle of the night, you look, you came out and got serious. Like, yeah, I got Fruit Loops. I said, bro, so you came out, <laughs> waddled out here in your pajamas with no yeah. shirt on. <laughs> it's got Fruit Loops and ate, and then went back to bed. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he was, dude, he was holding his little baby Yoda that he carries around everywhere with him, and he just looked at me straight face, like, yeah, yeah. Like, who doesn't do that, Dad? And so I don't know, truth or lie, I think. Um, I think I believe him. My wife says there's no way he did that. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe he's just, some people say he's he's good at lying. I would say maybe he's a really good actor. You know, maybe look at the, the gold side of this thing. Maybe he's going to be a great actor. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's not a liar. Maybe that. he just, maybe he's working it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Do you think he got up at two I, in the morning? I say true. Yeah. All right. I don't, that's, I believe him. It's because you got a good heart. I believe him. Yeah. You got a good heart though. You yeah. believe in people. That's why. <laughs> You know, I mean, I believe him too, though. But let, yeah. so, your top three, top three favorite cereals. Oh wow. Um. Okay. So. Um. Man, it's a it's a toss up because I, I'm like I'm such like a I have to be in the mood kind of person a to lot. Eat cereal, but I would say like if I have to, and I'm going back, cinnamon life. I'm going cinnamon life, dude. You I'm can't just, go wrong with cinnamon. Anything, I just, I think, on I mean, cin- yeah, that's true. But a but lot of people would be like CTC or whatever. I'm going cinnamon life, man. What's CTC? Just, is that like the code for it? No, CTC is a cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of I was people. Like, CTC. <laughs> I was thinking it's CLC. My bad. I'm off. A, yeah. I mean, that's a good one. CTC. That's my. That's mine. Right that's there. yours. Okay. Number one. See, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm life. I'm cinnamon life. Okay. Um, I'm probably really boring when it comes to cereal. I really like raisin bran. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong. I like it. Yeah. It, it, it. I like the chewy raisins. So personally. I'm going. I'm probably going cinnamon life, and then I'm going raisin bran, and then I'm probably going uh, frosted mini wheats. Hey, nothing wrong with that. If you like Corey's selection, <laughs> we need you to let us know. Let us know if you like Corey. Just let us know. We're gonna take a little poll here. Yeah. If you like Corey's selection, let us know. All right, that's that's your three. So you got cinnamon life, yeah, raisin bran, uh-huh. and then <laughs> uh, uh, frosted mini wheats. Frosted mini wheats. Yeah. So batches of wheat with sugar. Wheat, on it. wheat and sugar, basically. I mean, it's fairly healthy. <laughs> I would say for me, number one, uh, I'm gonna see. It's so hard because any cereal that I pick, if I eat like too much of it, it makes me sick. <laughs> so it's okay, not like yeah. oh, this is gonna fill me up. Sure, Cereal's yeah. worthless. It does <laughs> yeah. nothing for me. Yeah. Right. I would say number one for me, I want to go with cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. I, I mean, just it's, it's I can't a help myself. It's a classic. Number two, I'm probably gonna go Honey O's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like some honey I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those yeah. are delicious. Yeah. They they hit the spot. And number three, I'm probably going with Pops. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I like Pops, man. Pops. They're not bad. Yeah. They're the reason bad. I like them is because they don't get super nasty. Like yeah. cereal, when it gets really soggy and it's like somebody chewed it up and spit it in your bowl before you get to it, I'm not down with that. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm actually a little nauseous thinking about it right now. <laughs> I got a little bit of a tinge on my chin yeah. when I said that. <laughs> I was just ha- literally just having this conversation with a buddy the other day because he was talking about all the like fruity cereals that he likes. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I can't do really fruity, like Fruit Loops or. Yeah. I used to be able to, but now they do kind of make me sick. Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's just like candy in a bowl and I can't do it, man. I used to love Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles, but bro, now three bites in, yeah. you're eating somebody else's chewed up cereal i mean you're literally like slurping your you're cereal. eating your own flavored saliva <laughs> <laughs> hey so hey let us know what's what's your what's your favorite cereal i like this let's serious but let's see yeah. let's see let's see what you guys what you guys like we got Corey's. which which one if you have to live off of these three which ones are you picking are you picking cinnamon yeah. life Corey's is cinnamon life right yeah. Why are you laughing at me? I don't know. I'm Cinnamon just life, raisin bread, because your selection, <laughs> it's the 80 and over selection. My, exactly. Cinnamon <laughs> life, raisin bran, and uh, uh, why can't I yeah. think of the name of this? Cinnamon Frosted life, raisin bran, Frosted and Frosted Mini Wheats, which yeah. I like all those, personally. Yeah. I'm down for all those. You know, I, wh- you know why? I, well, not so much raisin bran. A lot of times the reason I pick cereal too, Cinnamon life and Frosted Mini Wheats, eat them dry they're they're just good that, that makes way a difference too. yeah that does make a difference but yeah. i think those are good picks yeah my picks CTC. cinnamon toast crunch it's gonna win. bam honey o's yeah can't go wrong uh pops. and then my third one's pops so there C- we go ctc is gonna win i'm just gonna well and yeah. you don't have to pick that i'm saying the, the group oh, and okay. it's not even a competition just tell yeah. us which ones y'all like yeah. and make sure when you're listening to this y'all listen just you know go ahead and subscribe because you're gonna want to hear what we got to say because <laughs> next week <laughs> coming in hot right <laughs> subscribe but let us know what y'all think let us know which ones send it into instagram facebook go to info at brandonshank.com yeah. send it in that way uh you can go to contact on the bottom of the website let us know we want to know what it is you're thinking uh those are but those are good ones so hey let's go to you asked for it i feel oh, like it's that goodness, time i wasn't even prepared for this. All right, here All right, we here go, we baby. Go. Let's go. We're going. All, All right, right here we go. <laughs> 
Don't blame me. You asked for it. Hey, so I want to give a shout out. We have a question from Desert Rose Creatives. Desert Rose has been behind all the marketing, the branding, everything we're doing with Palms and uh, with the stuff that you're seeing with websites. They're really helping us uh, as we continue to reach as many people as we can all over the globe. And it's been amazing. But we're also getting ready to launch a merch line. Uh, and so they asked, hey, what are some things we can uh, expect in the new merch line? But we've also been getting a lot of people been writing in saying what they want in the merch line. And I can tell you this. I'm not going to tell you what people wrote in. <laughs> but I will tell you, yeah. somebody nailed one of the items we're going to get. Okay. They asked specifically <laughs> for what we're... And not just the item, but what they want on the item. Yeah. And we're already doing it. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you who it was or what was said. Oh, right. But the item and what's on it, was requested specifically. So, I like it. Hey, I can tell you this. There are going to be full outfits. All right? Man, outfits. There's going to be accessories. Um, this is gear that's going to be very specific. It's we, we actually have one piece of gear coming out that's going to be one of a kind. Each piece yeah. is going to be one of a kind. Okay. Hand done. I don't like it. Yeah, y'all don't want to miss this. <laughs> and this is going to be a Brandon Shank Palms Church. It is a what we what we would call like a flex line. So basically it's going to be stuff that um it's not necessarily a, a branding any one thing. It's just there's some sayings, there's some things we're going to put on. Y'all do not want to miss this. Yeah. It'll be some of the best gear you'll be able to get anywhere. The quality of it's going to be next level. I actually had a merch meeting today with uh, and it was incredible the stuff they were laying out. Um I can't wait for it. Uh, I'm already foaming at the yeah. mouth yeah. getting this stuff. I can't wait to get it on. Can I, I put in a request? It. Yeah. Can I have it in a long? Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because we were doing sizes today, and I said, yeah. you know, I said Corey always talks about wearing extra large, but he don't. He needs something long. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so they hear you. I don't okay. know if it's going to be in a long, but they gotcha. hear you. But I will tell you this: this this stuff that's coming out is is going to be awesome. Yeah. So it's going to drop. We're looking at the second week of June right now. Okay. So we're cool. only what? That's, that's like fast. six weeks. That's, that's that yeah. is fast. Uh, and if some of you listening, I got some pastors and some friends and people that keep a lookout. You're going to be getting swag bags. We're going to be sending you some free stuff, oh, some boxes. So listen, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to get all this stuff out. Um, so, hey, uh, Billy said from VB, how will you deal with the Braves loss to the Padres in the NLCS this year? Well, Billy, first thing I'll do is come back to reality because that will not happen. Okay. <laughs> I will not even speak that into existence. Actually, if the Braves have, this is what I will say if the Braves have home field advantage during the NLCS, they may lose that because they're not playing great at home this year. If they have, mm. if they're away, I think they might beat the brakes off the Padres because the Braves are playing unbelievable on the road. So that's my prediction. Yeah. Um, and then, should the World Baseball Classic be played every year or every four years like the World Cup? I like it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the, the thing with baseball that's so different is there's a professional league here in the States that really is the best, you know, um, and I think because of that, there's a draw specifically here in the United States. There's players that change over so often, um, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen in soccer. Soccer has so many different leagues, and things change in each country. It's very different, right, mm -hmm. with the leagues and how, they're, how they are. Baseball, there's, a you know, leagues in Japan, but here, you know, the MLB is, is like, Maybe it's just because I'm an American and I'm saying this, but I think the reality is the MLB is the creme of the, the late creme of baseball. So I think because of that, um, I don't know that it needs to happen every year. I think every other year would even be cool. Um, every four years could be fine. I think baseball is a different sport. You know, soccer, I think you can, you're not going to have a pitcher that can probably play uh, maybe in four years like a, a Messi could. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe things yeah. change too much in baseball. So I don't know how to answer that. I think it's a very different sport. You know, I think I feel like soccer. I don't know that you can play longer, but I don't know that it takes a toll on your body that you know pitching does. Or and I don't know, maybe it does. So I don't know the answer to that. I think that the World Baseball Classic is a great thing. How often it's played, I don't know. I don't know how that works with athletes. I know if it was if it was a football thing, they have to do it every year. Why? Because yeah. it changed dramatically. But if you do it every year, the wear and tear on people's bodies. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to play football unless they're playing for big money because every game costs you something. So, um, no, I think every four years is too long. Uh, I don't know. You could make it a little bit closer, maybe every two. There's just baseball changes a lot, a lot of a lot of different names, a lot of young talent. You can play baseball, uh, and there's a lot of people playing it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have an answer for that, but I like I like the world I like the world baseball classic. It's awesome. So, all right, Judah asked the question um, that he he said, "What's your testimony?" This is a this is a I could go on for an hour on this, but I'll, I'll tell you the long and short of it. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up outside of D.C. My dad was a pastor of a, a, a an associate pastor of a big church in D.C. We moved to uh, Maryland when I was in sixth grade uh, to the mountains, eighteen acres, four wheelers. So we went from living in the city, 
right outside the city, 180 countries represented in our church to a predominantly white country church with 18 acres that we lived on. Now, I loved every minute of it. I loved it. Um, but in that process, going from the big church to the small church, in general, I saw like the the weight and the toll of just leadership and life and ministry on my parents. And I was kind of searching and just, you know, the church growing up was very legalistic, you know, and, and very rules driven, more so than grace driven. And the churches of the 80s and 90s are very different from the churches of today, the ones that are healthy. Yeah. So I, I didn't run from God, but I ran from the church. Meaning, I know, I, be, I absolutely believe you have to be in the local church to have a thriving relationship with Jesus. You need that community. You need a shepherd. You need somebody to lead you. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. When I was a uh, senior in college, um, when I was a junior in college, my wife and I had broken up for two. We, she broke up with me. We got to college. It was my sophomore year, her freshman. My, my freshman year, I went to George Mason University, transferred out to Evangel University uh, in the beginning of my sophomore year, beginning of her freshman year. Her freshman year, she was like, Brandon, I just want somebody who's going to lead me in the things of God. I want somebody who wants that. And I say, well, I'm not your guy. I basically told everybody I was out at Evangel to play football because I was on a scholarship. Really, I was out there. My major was biblical studies, my minor in psychology. So I was just running a little bit from the calling, not but not from God. I loved God, but I just I, I was scared of of a lot of things. So over the next two years, uh, Casey and I broke up a couple of times for extended periods. I would say in that two year period, we were probably together three months, maybe four months. And then um, at the end of my junior year. God spoke to me and said, when you, when, when I'm number one, I'll bring her back. And it wasn't a bait and switch. It was a, you don't need her. You need me. I remember I had a bunch of guys in my dorm room at Evangel. We were playing video games and uh, I just asked them, Hey, can y'all leave? And they were like, what? I was like, can y'all just go? And they left. And I remember just hitting my knees. Uh, Cause I had my own room. I had like a lofted bed with like all the video games underneath his big L couch. Like it was just like a, a bachelor pad kind of. And so they all left. I remember falling on my knees and, and just burying my head in that couch and just weeping. And the Lord, that's when he spoke to me. When, when I'm, when I'm first, I'll bring her back. Like just be at peace. So I just started chasing God. That was the end of my junior year. Um, my wife and I got it, her, me and her brother still stayed close and we lived in the same hometown in Virginia. So me and her brother hung out during the summers. And one time we were hanging out right after we got home from college and she asked if she could come hang out with us. And that was it. After that night, we started talking again. Um, and so the beginning of our senior year, uh, I proposed. And then at the end of my senior year, I just had a moment with God where I knew like the rubber's hitting the road here. Like I'm called to preach his gospel. I knew it. I got a call in seventh grade. I knew I was standing in my bedroom. I remember the picture he gave me of preaching to millions of people. And I was standing on the stage and he was like, this is what I'm calling you to do. And at the time I got a picture of Billy Graham preaching as an evangelist. And I just knew what my, I knew what my calling was in my life. Mm -hmm. And so my senior year, I was going through a lot of anxiety. I was terrified of what was in front of me. I couldn't imagine leading people and having to pay an electric bill and having to have a house and having to pay rent. Like it was just overwhelming. And so I went to the chapel that was on the second floor lobby of our dorm. And uh, it was in April of my senior year. And I remember it because the night or two before, me and a couple of my buddies, Missouri State was right beside us, a couple of my football buddies. Missouri State left their football field open. And it was a, a big stadium. We played our homecoming games there. And we went over and just threw the ball around on their turf one night. And I just felt the Lord stirring me so heavy. Like, man, I, I want all of you. So the next morning I got up and I, I walked over to that second floor lobby, the chapel, and I... There was, there was a big window in there, and I remember getting on my knees and saying, Lord, I just need you to bring me peace. It was the first time, I think, in my life that I really was leaning into him, and I was just, all the gloves, all the everything was off. And um, he gave me two scriptures. He gave me Jeremiah 29, 11, and I didn't know scripture like this at the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, give you hope in the future. And I was like, but God, I'm so scared. And right when I said that, Philippians 4, 6 uh, went into my mind. Hmm. And I was like, what is Philippians 4, 6? And I, fl- I flipped to it and it says, don't be anxious about anything, but everything. Submit to the Lord with prayer and petition. You know, mm-hmm. your request be made known to him. Um, and in that moment, it was probably the first time in my life. I know I'd heard God before, but it was where I knew this was like next level type of like, I've grown now. I got to grow up and really lead my life, you know? And that was a moment for me, I'll never forget, where I really surrendered the end of my senior year of college. Um, and so I went from there into an internship at a church for about nine months, and I went to a church and became a youth pastor and kind of beginning my journey. Um, and so, yeah, it was uh, one of those things where 
every time in my life where I needed God to be intimate, he was, you know, and he is. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, thanks for asking, Judah. I appreciate the question, man. Um, uh, and I think for all of us, we're all on a journey. So if you're listening, you're like, man, I don't really know. Just, hey, be encouraged yeah. because we're all on a journey. Um, hey, I want to take a minute. Let's do Google Trends. All right. Let's look at the Google Trends. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. So here we go. Uh, Google Trends, number one, Jackson Mahomes. Uh, man, Jackson Mahomes has been arrested and booked into a jail on, um, it looks like it says he was arrested for sexual battery. You know, I always think about these guys, Patrick Mahomes' brother. Yeah. And I think about Patrick Mahomes. He's doing his things in the NFL, you know, $400 million contract, just had another kid. Him and his wife got married, I think it was last summer, the summer before. And I wonder how these celebrities deal with everybody in their life that makes a mistake they get a platform because of the celebrity. Now the celebrity kind of has to deal with it. Like, what is that like? Like, what kind of weight is that whenever your family members are doing things that you have to answer for? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's gotta be devastating. Like, and and I'm sure there's a pressure in being a professional athlete and being a quarterback of a team and a franchise and all the money they're investing in you. And now your family does stuff. You know, years ago, coach Andy Reid, his son hits, hit, hit a family and the the little girl uh, is disabled for the rest of her life. She had mm. bra- a brain injury. His son's in jail now for a couple of years because he was intoxicated when he hit him. Jeez. And I was like, what does that do to you as a coach? Is You know what I mean? And his son was on his staff at the time, and then the Chiefs had to answer for it. And the Chiefs agreed to basically financially take care of her the rest of her life, which wow. they should. Yeah, or yeah. somebody should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's crazy, man. Um, you know, uh, Tori Bowie. She uh, she dies at the age of 32. They're not releasing the cause of death. I'm hoping to God that, um, you know, it was peaceful in some way. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? That, there was, that she walked into eternity with, with peace. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy Butler, something about his uh, sideline hat. Yeah, I was looking at that. I don't know. What's that yeah, all about? I don't know. <laughs> you got to read the article, I guess. I don't know what that even means. Yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sideline hat. Apparently, it's a big deal. Uh, Whatever. Way to go, Jimmy. He made it on a uh, a sideline hat. I mean, it doesn't take much these days, I guess. And then Messi, you know, they're saying that he's leaving at the end of the year. PSG. He was having issues because he left last weekend and didn't tell him he was going to Saudi Arabia. Came back, mispracticed on a Monday, and so they suspended him. I'm like, bro. <laughs> And they're saying the biggest thing with Messi right now is he's not producing like he was for the World Cup. And this is what I think about these athletes. He's 35. When you get to the place where you've accomplished all that Messi's accomplished, and you go to the World Cup and you play on that stage, and then you make the game-winning, like you're part of the 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 very end, the game-winning free kick. You know what I mean? You're part of these 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 moments in the World Cup. How do you go back and just play in a league? Once you're at that point of your career, mm-hmm. you know he's towards the tail end of his career. And well, once you go back. How do you go back and just play regular? Like, what's the big deal? You win, you win a championship for, you know, whatever league you're in. I always wonder how these athletes, especially somebody like that, you win on a world stage for your country. I would almost think you'd lose passion for the sport to some degree. You yeah. know? You go yeah. backwards. So what do you expect from these guys? Mm. That's just my opinion. Now, if you're like 23 and you want to win a bunch of championships, but Messi's done all this. So now you go back and you you you, you win the World Cup for Argentina and then you have to go play in a league you think what's the point like I don't care I'm the best I'm the best in the world my country just won the biggest tournament in the world well who cares about everything else I think it'd be hard for me to get motivated Mm. personally if I'm 35 I know I'm towards the end of my career I don't really care about going back and playing for a team I'm doing it because I love doing it but do I really care the way I would I mean the World Cup the intensity the adrenaline you don't you can't remake that I wouldn't think in any other venue or avenue so Anyway, all right, well, I want to talk about uh, this week I watched uh, The Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend this movie. Um, I'm, I'm the first critic of, I'm a big critic of Christian movies sometimes. I think the messages are always great. I think sometimes the delivery and the uh, acting can be a little bit, you know, cringy, I guess yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. but I, I do appreciate what people are trying to do with them, for sure. And I'm not trying to be critical, but the Jesus Revolution, you know, Kelsey Grammer, um, you know, Frazier, I'm mm-hmm. a big Cheers fan. So Kelsey Grammer <laughs> is a, 
is the main character. He's the pastor in this. But I would recommend going and seeing it. But the thing about this movie that really got me was the Jesus Revolution is about the hippie movement and about how they were they were getting high and they were taking ass and they were doing all these things. But really, they were doing it because it thought it brought them closer to God. And when they'd come out of those highs, they felt like they had an encounter with God. They were searching for something spiritual, and they couldn't find it. And so they tried to find it through drugs. All right, that's a part of it. And I believe yeah. that. You know, I wasn't there, but the more you research it and read about it, you realize this is really what the movement was about. And so it was about being free and not being constricted with governmental things and not the bound the 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 ways people think. And anyway, go watch the movie. You, know, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. I think it's like 5.99, whatever. We want me and my wife rented it. We were going to uh, we liked it. All right. But I would say everybody needs to watch it. I almost cried about 12 times. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to Jesus movies, I just can't hold yeah. my stuff. Did you almost or did you I cry? didn't. Okay. Well, how what do you consider crying? Like is a tear I have mean, to fall? Yeah. No, there's tier. no tear falling, but no, they're moist. Tier? Okay. I think the how the humidity yeah. in the house was high. <laughs> um but it's interesting because a couple weeks ago I read an article in the Atlantic and it, it was titled American Christianity is due for revival. Now mm. the Jesus Revolution that took place in the seventies, there's never been anything like it. In fact, out of that one movement, I know just one pastor, they said there's over like the Calvary Chapel is the name of the church in Jesus Revolution. There's over a thousand churches birthed just from that one movement. A wow. thousand churches. Jeez. One Thousand or thousands, yeah, over a thousand, yeah, that's incredible. That is, but a decade ago, 75% of our population said they were Christian, and now they 63. All right, so I'm just going to give you some quick statistics in three of four scenarios, Christians are going to drop in half. All right, so they did some research and they did some scenarios, and they said in three of the four scenarios, Christianity is going to drop in half by of population by 2070. So, in three of the four scenarios, but not one of the trends does it reverse it and church grows. So, in these scenarios, there wasn't a scenario in all of them where the, the trend is reversed and churches start growing again. Yeah. Now, this is the same thing that really happened in the 70s. Churches were very legalistic, they're very staunch and stoic, and you couldn't really get in the doors. And they were very, they had so many rules that it prohibited people uh, that, you know, all of us, we need, we need Jesus, we need grace. It prohibited that. And, um, the article said, should we expect to see most church buildings in the country repurposed or torn down? Mm. They're asking. And it said, could we experience a renewal? And it says, some way the fate is inconsequential. Others want to see the church shrink. So some people just don't, they don't really care. Other people want to see it get smaller. Um, but the article was saying that religion has made such a great contribution to society that nothing, nothing else can. And at a local church level, provides community and support to people that no other organization has been able to duplicate. In mm-hmm. fact, it said the estimated cost to replace a church to communities would cost the government over $250 million annually. Jeez. Just to replace what the church does in communities. Yeah. The local church. Yeah. Um, and so the article went on to say, well, how do we do this? And I mean, this is really the question I have. I'm a pastor. Uh, I love people. I coach. I'm a big, I mean, I'm in my community. Um, I always hated those signs and doors growing up where it said, you're now entering the mission field. Mm, you ever yeah, remember doing yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, what yeah. the heck does that even mean? Yeah. I remember thinking like, so what is this? Yeah. That dude in the third row, he don't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That staunch deacon up there that's not letting anybody walk on the carpet with their shoes on. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to be critical. Well, I'm saying this yeah. movie actually approached that. One of the deacons in the Jesus Revolution was upset because the the, the hippies, they weren't wearing shoes, and they were getting the shag carpet dirty. Yeah. And so I'm not going to blow the movie, but that's a part of the movie. So I'm not going to tell you anymore because I, I want you all to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch it, yeah. Yeah. So well, anyway. I think I think that sp- that speaks to the very insular kind of nature of yeah legalistic churches too, where it's like you know they don't view they don't view the people that come into their doors as the mission field. <laughs> you know? They're like you're leaving and now you're going to the mission field. Where it's like <laughs> like people are people should be coming in your doors that you know that is your mission. Yeah, you know? exactly. So yeah. it is very insular. It's a great point, yeah. Yeah. and I think it's just it's just a crappy perspective. As a pastor, I get up every week and I do, uh, I, I theologically and exegetically do everything I can to get to the depth of scripture to explain it in a way that anybody, whether or not they've ever heard of the book of James, which we're in right now, or they've heard of Jesus, can take what I'm saying and interpret it for their life and digest it and create something that they understand in connection with God, right? Mm-hmm. Every week, my I, when I write messages, I don't think about the person that's been in church for 30 years. I think about the person who's never heard of Jesus, Yeah, right? Every week. And there's not a week that I get on that stage to preach in spite of LED walls and lights and bands and crowds from the time that I started preaching. And I this is a this is as transparent as I can be with it and how it, it, I prepare. There has never been a week that I've preached a message 
that I didn't need. There's never been a week where I preach a message to the people that was for the people that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Every week that I preach, I'm like, they need this. I needed this. And I had to chew on it before I brought it here, right? Yeah. And I think that's the, the problem is that a lot of times we're doing ministry thinking it's for other people. It's for us. I need that word every week. I need I need to chew on the word of God every week. I need to hear what the scriptures are telling me every single week. It's not a matter of, well, they need it. I'm going to grow them. I think that's the problem with the church. The church is, and I'm not trying to have sideways energy here. I'm talking about the church in America is on a decline because the church is trying to reach the church. And the church is on a decline because we're not willing to shift our focus uh, to where it should have been prior to the pandemic. Even yeah. more so. Yeah. Um, and this is not me coming against the church. I'm not saying that. I don't like sideways energy to the church. I think the local church at large is healthy. I think it's vibrant. I think it's going to grow. I think there's a ton of the local church, though, that is struggling because we're stuck in the ways that we want to have ministry done and yeah. not in a heart of like, let's just reach people. Let's become like the culture so that we can reach the culture and understand how how they're wired. Yeah. And that's actually what this article went on to say. It says, well, how do we do this? And it said, you have to learn how to speak compellingly to non-Christians. It said, if the people enter the church, what's being said may be offensive, and that's not going to change, but the church has not yet learned how to communicate to outsiders. Bam. Yeah. That's what you need to hear right there. Yeah. If you don't know how to speak the language of people who don't know Jesus, I want to know why. Hmm. Why is that so hard for you? Yeah. Well, you've probably, yeah, again, I, I think that, that could be the insular nature of it is you're just not spending enough time with non-Christians. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, all you're doing is talking to other Christians all day long. And again, I, I can point my, my finger at myself when it comes to this too and looking back in my life. But yeah, there's a level of just realizing that of I probably live in a bubble and this bubble is our own thoughts and our own opinions. And we never get outside of that to talk to other people, you know, that have other thoughts and opinions. And, and then what it, what I think it becomes is it becomes, well, we're just then going to argue with you to try and prove our point rather than just like standing firm in your beliefs and, and your kind of morals, your biblical morals, but loving people, you know? Yep. Well, right. I can tell you this. I have a ton of people in my life that don't claim to be Christians and that don't, have a church. Mm-hmm. I've never had one argument with them. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had one argument about Jesus. They may say, well, I don't really believe in it. That's fine. Yeah. That ain't my job to convince them. My job is to live my life and to love God. I'm not out here to convert everybody. I'm here to love people. Yeah. Including my family, including the church that I pastor. And I think that's the the mix of it is like, God's not asking us to, to get on our boxes and pedestals. He's saying, I just need you to live and love people like what is about say the kindness of God mm-hmm. is what leads people to repentance. Yeah. Do I look down on them? No. People aren't stupid. They can tell if you looked at them a certain way because well I don't serve the God you serve. That's fine. Like I know it's the truth. Do I think they're dumb for not knowing it? No. They have a story. They have a reason. And I was where they were at. I have a reason. There's times even now I struggle with things in my life and I need God to do and renew things in me. Um we're a work in progress. And mm-hmm. so I think that there's just this thing is Christians, we feel like we're always on and we always have to be, oh, we're missionaries to all these people. No, you're not. You got to get it right in your life and it's got to be so real. And I think when we feel like we're sent to people instead of we are people, yeah, I think that's where we get in trouble. That's good. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sent to people. I am people. <laughs> like, you know, I, I am these people. Like, yeah. I need it just like everybody else needs it. I've just, I know it works. I know it's real. Um, it's funny because uh, it says, as a result, most evangelical churches can reach only the shrinking and aging enclaves of socially conservative people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's honestly what I thought of when I read this was the older generation is hundred percent Trump supporters. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought of. Yeah. And it's like, I, 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 that's a hard headed to me of like, um, I'm not saying the younger generation doesn't have that. It's just the younger generation doesn't really care like that. Yeah. It, they're just not as involved in politics. The younger generation is searching for Jesus. Here all the time, the younger generation's got to have this hunger. Like what? Like if they ha- if the older generation had it, they would. Yeah. Like they follow the leader here. So if the generation in front of us had that hunger, the younger generation would have it. But the generation in front of us will tell you there was a lot of rules they followed more than relationship for a long time in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right? It was manipulation. And so a church, and so what the, the solution was this. It says a church that unites justice and righteousness does not fit with the left on abortion and sexual ethics or with the right on race and justice. Instead, it's a community that addresses the timeless longings of people for meaning, hope, love, and salvation. That's good. And that's what I'm saying. You can't die on the ledge of, well, if you get an abortion, you're going to hell. 
do you know the context of that person's life? Yeah. Do I think that, you know, you could say that we have, this is the problem with people that have a stance on abortion that's really loud. I'll tell you the problem is that it never focuses on the mom. It's always on the baby. Yeah. And both of those lives matter just as much to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're saying, are you giving permission? I, I'm not God. I'm not the judge. What I do know is when you have a stance on something that makes something feel like they're not loved, there's a problem. You can have an opinion and say, man, we got to, let's love both. I get that. But I think for a long time, people don't feel like it's equal. They feel like, well, the mom is, isn't loved or, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that, uh, I'm, this isn't a political stance. I'm saying that's just one example. Or you're saying, well, what about the people that live together, this or that? You know, those, we always think those are trap questions. Well, what about, how do you feel about homosexuality? What do you mean, how do I feel about it? I'll tell you how I feel. People need meaning, hope, love, and salvation. And I think all of us are work in progress, and God is very clear on what's sin and what isn't, and the Bible doesn't uh, jump around. We make it gray. The Bible's black and white. The problem is we think we have a right to start naming the sins that are well beyond what God can do. We start. We think we have the right to start telling people how they should live. Yeah. That's not what our job is. Our job is to hold each other accountable, to help each other grow in the things of Christ, and say, hey, man, this is something in your life I know that God wants to do, but the obvious ones don't take discernment. Yeah. And I think for all of us, like, how many times, I mean, I had a long time in my life where I struggled with pornography when I was going through my depression and anxiety. It was a drug for me. I, did, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing crack. But the pornography was something that it was the only thing that made me feel at the time like it was a physical numbing. Was it good for me? No. It was like eating a bag of potato chips when I needed a steak and a salad. You know what yeah. I mean? It's trash. Yeah. Well, my point in all this is saying I think that as a church, we have got to learn how to address people as humans and not as people as needs yeah, or as mission field. Like mm-hmm. they're people who cares what their sexual orientation is. That's not, I can never change somebody's sexual orientation. So why am I caring so much about it? Yeah, I care about them. Mm-hmm. I care about them as a person. Let God be the one that loves people to the place that he's designed them to be. Yeah. Let's not try to be that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it and does. that's where I sit on these things. And let, let me ask you kind of a question and get your thoughts on you know as as I hear you saying that I'm thinking like that whole let God thing. You know, do you think that maybe we've you know lost some sense of kind of that spiritual work where we've kind of taken that spiritual work in our own hands and we've kind of like well that's our job like that's what we're supposed to do and when really it's like no let let God do it. Let the spirit within you, you know, just kind of love people. And I don't know, like that was just a thought that kind of crossed through my brain and kind of get your perspective on of, um, yeah, what, yeah. Why have we done that? Why have we taken this stance of like, well, we need to fix people. And it's like, yeah, you don't see that in scripture. And so, you know, have we grabbed something that the spirit is maybe like, don't, I didn't ask you to touch this. This is what I do, you know? hundred percent. No, I think the question is my answer. hundred percent. I agree with what you just said. Yeah. I think we have stepped in. Like I think of the, the Bible says, you, you got to tell them. They don't know unless somebody tells them. Yeah. It's talking about the good news. It's not talking about their sins on their yeah. life. And yeah. we've used it. I've heard it used in the church so long about legalism. Well, you got to tell them what sins they're committing. They're not stupid. Hmm. People yeah. aren't dumb. They're, they're directly defying God sometimes because they feel like he's hurt them. Yeah. And God's okay with that. He's okay with that heart because he knows that if he can get a little bit of their attention, he can change their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about when Jesus met the woman at the well and, and, he's, and he says, um, yeah, you've, been, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't your husband. He wasn't telling her that to call her out. He was telling her that to say, I know everything you've done and I'm still here. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I know everywhere you've been and I'm still your savior. I'm still, I've walked into Samaria. I'm a a Jewish man talking to a Samarian woman. This is extremely unacceptable in their culture. Mm -hmm. Jesus could have been looked at as a fornicator. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Fornicator. He would have been looked at as an adulterer if he was married, but even as a man saying, well, he's out there trying to get a prostitute. Like that's the way Jesus would have been viewed. Samaritans were looked at as, 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 as garbage. Yeah. And Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, which is, it was, it was a uh, almost a curse on Jewish men. I mean, this this would have been such a this would have been like a a pastor meeting a prostitute in a hotel room to witness to her. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, okay. And Jesus says, "You've had five husbands, but now the man you're with isn't your husband." He says, and then and this is the verse I've heard used against him: "Go and sin no more." So I've heard pastors say, "Well, yeah," but then he told her, "Sin, don't do it anymore." Let me ask all you out there this question: Is that realistic? So is that realistic for Jesus to tell her, go and sin no more? 
<laughs> so that's yeah, yeah, that's what he said to her. You really think that's what Jesus meant when he said that? Because what he's saying is, yeah, I'm your savior. I know everything. I'm right here. I've met you in this place. Now I'm going to give you an unrealistic expectation to ensure you're never going to heaven. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, what he's saying to her is, you don't have to fight for this. Like you don't have to earn this grace. Like you don't have to fix your pain with the sins in your life. Yeah. The things you're doing, the men you're running to, they're trying to patch holes of hurt and pain. You don't have to do this. I'm your king. Yeah. And I'm here. And I made a special effort to come see you. That's good. Because you matter. And I think if people could realize God's making efforts to come see them because they matter and whatever they're in, I hate the questions. Well, what do you think about this? What do you mean what I think about? What does it matter what I think about it? How about you just talk to God, you let him get into your heart, and let him do the, let him do what he wants to do? Because you'll see he's not trying to manipulate people. He loves people. He knows how he created us. And that's why there's such a tension in all these things, because people don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? Um, one of the things I love that I'm a part of is Unity Weekend. If you go to unityweekend.com, it's actually, this is the first year we're doing it. It's in June 11th, but I'm actually a part of it. This Saturday, I'm actually leaving coaching from baseball. I got to go up to D.C. I'm a part of a kickoff for this. Um, it'll be online uh, for this weekend. It's a uni weekend kickoff, but it actually takes place the 11th. There's a bunch of events hang- going down from here to then, but there's a bunch of leaders all across the world uh, throughout the local church, and uh, they're coming together. It's his lane. This is led by Bishop Derek Greer of Grace Church, and uh, they're coming together, and basically it's racial reconciliation in the local church in America. How do we bring people together? How do we get them to see bigger? And I cannot wait for this. Uh, so... Um, Go on there. You can and pastors that are listening to this, go and sign your churches up yeah. uh, for Unity Weekend. There's a text we're all going to preach out of. It's a way to bring the church together because we're realizing like darkness is trying to divide the church. Just the way he divides, he pushes people out of our church with dissension and with people saying dumb things because uh, they're trying to be God. This is a way to say, hey, God's wired us the same. Let's bring it together and let's get some unity in our local church. Um, this is extreme. This is something we've been working on for over a year. Um, really, probably most closer to a year and a half, two years. Um, and so I'm excited to be a part of this. Uh, so Unity Weekend is something that I would encourage y'all to be a part of. Your lo- your church, if, when you go to church, take it to your pastor. Say, hey, yeah. go to unityweekend.com. You can sign your church up, get all the resources. Um, but hey, final thought. Here we go. Here we go. Here's my final thoughts. So I read an article, and it was talking about 16 red flags at a steakhouse that make you turn around. Now, a lot of these <laughs> red flags were steak things that, you know, if I'm going to a steakhouse, yeah. I get it. But let me tell you a couple of them that were about restaurants. And I just want to give you all a piece of advice you're going to thank me for later and probably think, this guy changed my life and maybe saved my life in more than one way. <laughs> Number one, if it's a ghost town when you go, you might want to leave, <laughs> right? And now, if you're the first one there when it opens, that's one thing. But if it's a ghost town when you go, yeah. you've been to those restaurants where you're like, man, it smells good, it looks good, but it's a ghost town, and it does raise a red flag because you're thinking, <laughs> how much time do they have? Are the servers back there just grabbing bags or like handfuls of chips on their way out and eating them, and there's like nobody back there? Is there no monitoring system? Is the chef out today? You know what I mean? mean you yeah. just think about that number two service is slow and unfriendly that's the worst you know when something that's a marker for me if i get a water glass it's got something in it you ever had that Ugh. that's disgusting that's gross you're like there's something stuck on the inside of this cup and it's <laughs> tiny but like there's no way that should get past <laughs> and out here right you're like well it just happens it's a restaurant and shouldn't yeah, yeah. you shouldn't yeah. you know uh, you're like, well, you know, hundreds of people. I get it, but that's why you have more workers. Like, yeah. I get it. Restaurants are hard to stock right now. I'm not coming at ma- uh, managers. I'm saying restaurants are hard to get people to work. It's quality. Then the last thing was bathrooms are unkept and gross. Yeah, that's gross. Now, I will tell you this. I try to use restrooms before I go to restaurants because if I go to a restaurant and the bathroom's gross, it can turn my stomach and I'm not wanting to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So I will tell you, I will say this. Bath, I have never seen, I have never eaten somewhere. All right, and I say never, as in a one hundred percent in my forty years, I have never eaten somewhere that I've told a friend about that I thought was great if the bathrooms were nasty. Hmm. Yeah. I have never ever been to a restaurant where the bathrooms were nasty, and I walked out and that food was awesome. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, uh, think about it. Yeah, you? I am. I'm trying to think about. It. Yeah. Some be like, "Well, it's a hole in the wall. It's nasty, but man, the food's great." Never been to one. I've been to one where it's yeah. a hole in the wall that isn't a high end restaurant doesn't mean it's nasty. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, like I've definitely been to places where, again, it's not like the bathroom is like luxurious, but, but it's, it's clean. But it's clean. Yeah, yeah clean is different. It's than an luxury. old building, yes. but it's clean. That's different yeah. than luxury, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, nice and clean are two different things. Yes. I will take clean. Over nice any day. Yeah. Right? For sure. But I've been to places that are like considered hole in the walls, like diners, drive ins, and dives. Yeah. Yeah. And the bathrooms are nice. They're clean. Yeah. Maybe not luxury, but they're clean. Yeah. I've been to gas stations where the bathrooms are clean. They're not nice, but they're clean. Yeah. And then I've been to nice ones where I'm like, 
Somebody needs to empty out this trash can full of like 578 paper towels. Yeah. And somebody decided to just, you know, pee all over the floor and half the wall. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you're like, come on, man. Like, first of all, why would you do that? Second of all, how is nobody seeing this? How am I the only one seeing this? Yeah. It's foul. Yeah. Right? So I'm saving y'all a lot of money and a lot of heartache. This is my recommendation. From now on, when you're going to spend a lot of money at dinner, yeah. go to the bathroom first. If it's go. nasty, just leave. Go somewhere else. <laughs> it's a new filter. There you go. Yeah. Go to the bathrooms first. I know even in our church. So we have our bathrooms. We meet in a high school for our bathrooms. Air fresheners, deep cleaning. They're like one yeah. of the, the things we make sure are stocked well and taken care of because bathrooms. When we were in our old venue, our church was filling up the venue. We had tents outside full of people, and the bathrooms got <laughs> like the pipes couldn't handle it. And so the bathrooms stopped working a couple of soon. times. Too soon. Too <laughs> soon. Too soon. It's not like a celebratory thing yet. <laughs> But they were nice and clean, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And so people came back. Why? For they sure. were clean. They yeah. didn't work, but they were clean. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> you know, we got a lot more space, a lot more bathrooms. So there you go. That's what I have for you today. I hope that you are going to leave here invigorated to be a part of the local church, knowing that the bathrooms will make the difference in the way your steak tastes. Yeah. And Uni Weekend, it's important. And hopefully soon I'm wearing some uh, Washington Commander Super Bowl gear, you know, after this draft. <laughs> we never know. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for each and every person listening to this. I, I pray right now that their families, wherever they're at, would sense that you love them, that your hand is on them, that you see them. God, I just pray that people would know that you're chasing them because you created them, not because they're a mistake, not because they made mistakes, but because you're their dad and you love them and that you don't make mistakes. Father, I just pray that you would help people to see that the way you've wired them and the way you've made them, there's a purpose that's greater than anything they can think, ask, or imagine. Lord, we're grateful for you, and I just thank you that you are such an incredible lover of our soul and a passionate king after our heart. We surrender to you in this moment, and we thank you, and everybody said amen. Hey, I love you guys. See you Sunday, 9 and 1030, Facebook, YouTube, online, in person, or right back here next week. See y'all.